0: We're still on the helmet of salvation. Uh, That's Ephesians 6, verse 17. Ephesians 6, verse 17. We're still on the whole armor of salvation. I mean, the armor of God. I mean, the helmet of salvation specific. And uh, I tried to simply define that for you last week. First of all, Ephesians 6:17 says, And take the hermit of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hermit of salvation. And I made us understand that the world, salve, I mean the hermit, actually from the root world to a cycle or a cyclement. A cyclement that it goes around the head, which is like a protective covering. Against the head. And we try to look at the fact that when we talk about the head, we're probably talking about the mind. Amen? All right. And we said uh, we're talking about what protects the mind from injurious attack of wrong thoughts by the enemy. So, is mean, simply a protective covering of the head against harm from the enemy's attack. Amen. Okay, so today I'm going to look at a few questions and I'm also going to be answering them from the scriptures. The first question I want to look at is can we truly have the mind or the thoughts of God? But can we truly have the mind or the thoughts of God? I would like us to read 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14 down to 16. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 down to 16. And here the world says... But a natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things. Amen? He that is spiritual, the Bible says, judges all things, yet himself is judged of no man. And 16 says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ Amen Alright So if just simply looking at this scripture We we'll find that yes We can receive the thoughts of God As we receive the spirit of God It quickens our spirit That now rules our emotions Which has to do with our emotions The mind, your will And so we begin to think and act like God This begins as we are born again That's the first place to we'll start from Amen because the spirit will reveal the mind of God to us. So if the mind of God is revealed to us, then we can think or have the thoughts of God. Hallelujah. But we said the natural mind do not understand the things of God. And for instance, let's go to Matthew 16, verse 21 to 22. Down to 23. Matthew 16. 21. And the Bible says, remember, uh, it has to do with Peter and Jesus. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. This was a revelation of that which he intends to do uh, in relation to the cross, which borders basically on the salvation of mankind. But verse 22, Peter said, took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, This shall not be unto thee. But Jesus turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou severest not the things of God, or the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So you find here, Paul said a natural man cannot understand the things of God. Hallelujah. So while Peter now could not comprehend what Jesus was saying as touching going to the cross. But yet he was a disciple in that instance. But the point is, as at this stage, the Holy Spirit have not been given. Peter could not really design what was God's intention for humanity in terms of Christ going to the cross. Did you understand that? So here he's saying that, that can happen to you. He's speaking from the natural point of view. But God's mind was that Christ should go to the cross. Now, Paul says the natural man does not understand the things of God, but those who receive the Spirit of God will definitely know the things of God. So if the Holy Spirit had been given, Peter would have made this statement because he would understand that it's of a necessity that Christ should go to the cross. Did you understand this? Okay, praise the Lord. So that's exactly what I'm saying. Now you see, if you remember, uh, Jesus promised that specifically in John 16. We're talking about when the Holy Spirit comes. He talks about bringing you to your He will teach you all things. That's a good thing. When the Spirit come, He will teach you all things. So, if the Spirit comes to us, begin to teach us all things that we can think as God thinks and follow God the way He is going, because now we know His mind. Do you understand this now? Okay, fine. Uh, so let's go again to First Corinthians two, verse fourteen. Um, I think um, two fourteen. I just want to read this from I think the Message translation again. The same passage we were just read now. 1 Corinthians 2 14 down to 16. The unspiritual self, just as it is by nature, can't receive the gift of God's spirit. There is no capacity for them. They seem like so much stillness. Spirit can be known only by spirit. God's spirit and our own spirit in open communion. That is the born again thing I'm, I'm talking about now. When the communion of our spirit comes together with God's spirit, then we can understand what God's spirit is all about and what God has in mind because the spirit of God reveals to us now what God has in mind which has to do with his thoughts is that okay All right. then verse 15 says spiritually alive we have access to everything God's spirit is doing and can be judged by uns- spiritual critics then Isaiah question is there anyone around who knows God's spirit anyone who knows what he's doing has been answered Christ knows and we have Christ's spirit. Did did you get that? So, Christ knows the mind of God. Is that okay? Now, if Christ knows the mind of God and we have Christ's spirit, that means we know the mind of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is that simple? That is exactly what I'm saying. So, in order to know the mind of God, we have to have his spirit which is found in Christ. And in that capacity we function as the thoughts of God because his thoughts is being released to us through the spirit of the Christ within us. Amen? Now we see as God sees and judges things from the perspective of God which are actually often called righteous judgment. Amen? Very important to understand that. Now we see as God sees and we can judge as God judges. Praise the Lord. Now, one thing I would like us to see is this. Of a truth by now, we do not seem to have all of this manifesting. And so, I can say we are walking by what I will call the gift of the Spirit. Is that all right? But essentially, what God really wants us to walk in is to walk by the Spirit itself, not the gift of the Spirit. So, let's take that for instance in Isaiah 11 and see what I mean. How did Jesus function on the face of the earth? Isaiah 11. I'm looking at 2 and 3. Verse 2 and 3 of Isaiah 11. Praise God. And the Bible says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and mind, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. The verse 11 says, I mean, verse 3 and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after what? The sight of his eyes, neither reproved after the hearing of his ears. So the man who is spiritual, who have the spirit of Christ, cannot judge by what he sees or by what he hears. Amen. This is why I think it's a little bit difficult for us to walk, even as we're walking now. Because most often, our judgment is based on the environment. What we see, what we hear. What he told you. You know? Somebody met me recently and he gave a horrible picture of a fellow. Very horrible picture. I was almost getting grieved. And I was thinking, okay, now I'm going to call this fellow and and talk and they deny the Lord began to speak certain things to me I found that there was no need to do that because everybody wants to paint a picture but we can't really judge by what we see and by what we hear if we really want to function as Christ on the earth Amen because the spirit that is now in us is the Christ spirit And we ought to manifest the Christ Spirit in our daily lives. Whichever way. So whether it be opinion, whether it be judgment, whether it be be feelings, whatever it is, it ought to be actually Christ Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are we together so far? Okay, the next question I would like to ask is, how can we then guide our hearts or our thoughts? How can we guide our thoughts? Now, here we intend to guide our thoughts against that which is satanic, if I may use the word. In the sense of that which, remember what Jesus told uh, Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. Now, it wasn't, thank you, it wasn't Peter that he was addressing. He was addressing the thoughts of Peter. Now, can I explain why he has to use that word? Because you see, when Peter begins to sympathize with him, if he's not standing on the basis of the commission with the energy from God to go on, he can begin to empathize. In other words, he begins to feel sorry for himself. What Peter was telling him would discourage him from fulfilling God's will for his life. Are you still there with me? Good. That is so when he was saying, get the behind me, it was actually addressing the thoughts. That will make him get weakened not to go to the cross. You see, this is the second time Peter is trying to stop Jesus from going to the cross. Second time. You see, this is okay. This, this is supposed to be the first time that the second time was on the mountain of transfiguration. Immediately after Matthew 16, he got on Matthew 17. He transfigured before them. What was the next appeal to him? Let's be three tabernacles. You see. So, he's always bringing thought to his mind so that he can make progress to fulfill God's plan for his life. Are you still there with me? All right. So, basically, that's what it means. Now, the hermit we're talking about is what protects such wrong thoughts from coming to your mind, not to move on with what God has in mind for you. If God has specifically revealed to you what he wants you to accomplish in your life and for him, there will always be contrary opinion that will come your way to stop you from making progress. And that is why you need the helmet of salvation to be able to stop those things from advancing into your mind. Are you still there with me? Good. Sometimes, I was putting something up and I don't know if some of you saw it. If you look at the Hebrews 1, I don't intend us to read there, but the Bible talks about, you understand that? Good. God who spoke in sundry times and in diverse manners, spoken to the prophet, spoken to us this day by his son. Now, you understand that? Sometimes people don't understand that God uses circumstances to talk to us. God can use failures to talk to you. Just to stop you from making progress on the way you are going because that is not his will for you more especially after he has used certain dimensions of truth to reveal his mind to you and you don't seem to live you can't pick it he can use adversity to stop you from making progress because all he wants is to get your attention now you watch this if god uses adversity to stop you from making progress in some of the way you are going which is not his ways if you're not putting on the helmet of salvation with that true spiritual desirement, the next thing you do is to start binding the devil. Without knowing it is God that is saying, don't go this way. Are you sitting that with me? Praise God. Okay. So then how can we then guard our hearts our thoughts against satanic impressions or invasions that will turn us away from doing the will of God Or the functioning in the thoughts and the mind of God Let's look at Philippians 4 Philippians 4 We just look at 6 and 7 And then we will go to John 7:27. Philippians 4 Are we there? Verse 6 and 7 Be careful for nothing but in everything By prayer and supplication With thanksgiving let your request be made known unto who? Unto God Amen now, verse 7 says, And what the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your heart and mind through Christ. What do you mean, understanding? Understanding could speak of maybe philosophies and everything, but understanding actually speaks here of circumstances that are warring against your peace. Amen. Every situation that seems contrary to God's thought for you is becoming what an understanding. But he said, if you allow everything, for instance, if you think you are being hindered and you take up these hindrances unto God in prayers, the next thing is God will reveal his mind and give you peace which passes all understanding. And look at what he says, and then the peace that passes all understanding shall do what keep your heart or guard your heart and mind. ...through Christ. Did you get that? The peace of God will guide your heart and mind through Christ. Listen, can I say this again? I've said this before. The real war of Armageddon is in your mind. Amen? The war as to who to please. The war as to what to accept. The war as to what to believe. The war has to stay on what you believe and continue with it even if there are opposition. That's the real war of Armageddon. The war is how can you allow the thoughts and the mind of Christ to remain stable in your mind without deviating. That's the greatest battle you can ever fight. Because if you have the mind and the thoughts of Christ, you always have peace at any point in time. Am I talking to somebody? Your peace is guaranteed if you have the mind and the thoughts of Christ. Your peace is guaranteed. Okay, let's look at John 14, verse 27. Praise the Lord. He said, peace I live with you. Mm. My peace I give unto you. Not just peace. This peace is his. Not as the world giveth, give unto you. Let not be troubled, neither, let it be what? Afraid. Hallelujah. Now remember in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says Christ is the prince of peace. That means he's the author of peace, the originator of peace. He reigns through peace because he's a prince. Amen. And he's saying the peace which I represent I am leaving behind. Hallelujah. I I would like you to see the statement he made there. Peace I live with you. I'm leaving what kept me in the world with you so that that same thing will keep you. Did you get that? My own kind of peace I give unto you. Amen. Not as the world give it. How does the world give peace? Maybe through blessings, through prosperity, through a new car or something like that. Maybe whatever. But I'm not giving you that peace because even those peace can fail. But I'm giving you the peace that kept me in the world in the midst of opposition, of religious people, in the midst of satanic attack, in the midst of this storm in the sea. That same storm that came in while I was sleeping, what made me to sleep is what I'm guaranteeing to you. Hallelujah. This is the kind of peace we should pray for. <laughs> in the midst of that rough situation, he was still calm. How many of us can be so provoked and yet we can still be calm? That's the most dangerous thing we can ever envisage. That you are provoked to a point. That's you see, that's why you see this journey that we are in. I don't know how long it's gonna take, but it's taking some time and it's gonna take some time. I'm just be honest with you. How many of you can be so provoked and yet you are stable? You know what we do to justify our anger? That Jesus also carried Cain in the temple. Hmm? You say, but Jesus was angry, he used Cain in the temple. No, 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 no. I wish you can understand context. He was fulfilling a prophecy. The zeal of my father's house has eaten me up. Everything he did was geared towards establishing the kingdom. Is your anger producing the kingdom? That's the question. The people he drove were religious people that were desecrating the temple of God. (laughs) Praise the living God. Peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you not as the world. Give it. Give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, Neither let it be world afraid. In other words, don't allow anything to choke your spirit in this world. Don't permit even the news you are hearing. (laughs) Don't allow it. That's what he's saying. So as the prince of peace, say, my peace I live with you. He brought it into this flesh, carried it about in his own presence, my peace, died to make it ours, left it as a heritage of his disciples upon the earth, implant and maintain it by his spirit in our hearts. He was peace, he lived peace, he left peace behind, and is causing that peace to be established where in our heart. That is why peace is the fruit of the spirit. Amen. So the peace which he represents, lived it out on the earth, he now leaves behind for us to inherit as a guarantee that we can have peace in the midst of time. Hallelujah. Now let me show you something. Romans 5, verse number 1. Praise God. Romans 5, verse number 1. Bible says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, when he says, I leave peace behind, and Paul is saying, we have it, it means in the truth said we inherited peace. So just like you inherited salvation through Christ, even so can you inherit peace through Through Christ. But this must be ignited by your faith. Because you can only believe by faith. To receive the sacrifice of Jesus. Even so the peace which he left behind. You can also receive by faith. Hallelujah. Amen. So the beginning of this peace I'm talking about. Is our reconciliation with God through Christ. That's the beginning. That is, you've been born again by the Spirit. That's the beginning. Once you have come to the place of being reconciled, so in the first place, understand this. God is not angry with you. God is not quarreling with you. God will not be frightened. You are not going to frighten God, neither will God frighten you. That's the beginning of your reconciliation. Once you've established it at the back of your mind, I'm a child of God. You are already walking to the peace in the midst of this world. Because now you can believe that God who is the author and the finisher of your faith, who through Christ has left behind the peace that you need that understands He can guarantee that to you in the midst of trouble in this world. So the beginning of your journey to this peace is your reconciliation with God. And through the sacrifice of Christ we do know that we are reconciled. Amen? Praise the living God. So if we are reconciled we are simply saying we ought to have this peace of God within us, because it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. So let's see how peaceful are we. Let's see how peaceful are we. How don't you think we are so agitated by so many things? We fret around with so many things. Things are not what we think should be. Therefore, we are always in confusion. Do we really have the peace of God? Doesn't uh, the way we live actually indicate that there are so many things that are bombarding our minds? And our thoughts are always fluctuating. We are always worried and disturbed. Why are we? Because we do not have the peace of God. But this is what we are supposed to have. So this piece I'm talking about is a function of faith in the finished work of Christ. All inclusive in in our salvation? Amen? Amen? So we can only guard our heart by receiving the Christ as our justification by what? By faith. My next question. What then is the hermit of salvation? Very simple question. What then is the hermit of salvation? Isaiah 12. I look at verse 1 and 2. Isaiah 12 1 and 2 And in that day Thou shalt say O Lord I will praise thee Though thou was angry with me The anger is turned away Can I hear an amen? amen? And thou shalt comfort Thou comforted thou what? Me That's the beginning of you coming into this realization of the peace of God that is guided, I mean, it's guiding our heart against our wrong thoughts. The first realization is I'm reconciled to God. His anger has been torn away from me. You get what I'm talking about. You know, when, when Adam got into the trouble, the Bible said he hid himself. Is that not true? And he said, we were afraid. Amen? Right. We are afraid, so we hid ourselves. So, the first place is, when you come to this realization, I'm going to praise you, Lord, because I know your anger has been torn away. And now you are comforting me. You are resting in what God can do for you. You are resting in the fact that God is no longer angry with you. You are just stepping into what we call peace. So you are first establishing your relationship with God and knowing that God is not angry with you. There is peace, there is joy that you have in your heart. It's like some people will say, if the whole world will forsake you, God will not forsake you. Is that okay? So that's the beginning of your journey. Now you are so happy because, you know, you are one with God. And, uh, you know, even if the world will abandon you or forsake you, neither will anybody in the first place come and tell you or talk to you that God is angry with you. You just have to realize that God is not angry with you hallelujah. It's just like he found a prodigal son. He was away for that long. Amen. He was away for that long and uh, indications are that maybe he was thinking the father was angry with him. Don't you think so? But when he came back home, what was the response? God was not angry with him. The father was not angry with him. In fact, the father was waiting to do what? To receive him. And that is why he who reminds you of your past is not doing you any good. Because God is not angry with you. Hallelujah. God is never angry with you. More especially because of what Christ has done. He's not angry with you. You have to first understand that. That's the beginning of your peace. Amen? So whether your father did that, whether your father did whatever, whether your grandfather did whatever, God is not angry with you. <laughs> It simply saw what Christ had done, and he turned his anger away from you. Now he is comforting you. Hallelujah. Are you following me? The beginning of your peace. So you can sleep peacefully without thinking that God is angry with you, and want to throw you into some burning fire tomorrow or something like that. You just establish that. I'm a child of God. I mean, I've been reconciled to God. I'm justified by faith. Because of my faith in the finished world of Christ. I am a child of God. His anger, he has turned away from me. Hallelujah. The beginning of your peace. Verse 2. Behold God is what? My salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Can you say that word again? For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become what? My salvation. Now, don't you forget. The helmet of what? Salvation. God Himself has become my salvation. Hallelujah. Very interesting you understand this. Say, I will trust and not be afraid. And don't you forget what He said. You mustn't be afraid, my peace I live with you, let on your heart be troubled, fear nothing, whatever. He keep on saying all of these things and he said, the only thing that can really bring you to that place of realization where you have to realize within the depth of your being that God is not angry with you, is because now he has become what? Your salvation. Now the thoughts of God can keep away every negative thoughts that will be coming to your mind telling you whether I be a preacher whether I be a television preacher whatever radio preacher anything telling you God is angry with you is not biblical except you never believe in the finished work of Christ what Christ did he did that to set you free amen so you can go to God you can approach God you can talk to him as your father are you still there with me you don't have to be afraid of him anymore no no Oh, fear gone. Fear of even death is gone. And so you can die. Because God Himself has become what? Your salvation. And not just your salvation. I'll become my song. Man can only sing when he's happy from within. <laughs> Are you still there? Praise the Lord. Even God has become my song. Now, when you sing... You establish something in your mind. Is that okay? If you remember any song part-time, it is something that is already getting stuck in your mind. If you are singing a song very regularly, it gets stuck in your mind. It's another way of deep meditation. Are you still there with me? if God has become your song, it simply means you're always thinking about God. You can't think of being afraid anymore. You, can, you know, That's a relationship. You're thinking about him, you're talking about him. Am I talking to somebody? Everything that will have scared you before is gone. God is not been stuck in your mind. He has become your song. So no negative thought comes into your mind that can easily stay because there's a song you are always singing and the lyrics of that song have become your life. So God is becoming your salvation. Hallelujah! I like this. Go to Psalm twenty-seven. Psalm twenty-seven. Look at verse one. The Lord is my light. And my salvation. Whom shall I fear? (laughs) The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You are afraid to answer that question. If there is any fear in your heart, I've come to announce to you today, the Lord himself is your light and your salvation. So you have no room to be afraid of anybody. Now the question is, Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid of? Or maybe you should fear the devil, eh? <laughs> it's a simple question. There is no entity in creation that is qualified for your fear right now. Because of your helmet of salvation which is God himself protecting your mind all the time against satanic impression and invasion to dissuade you from believing that you are saved and you are completely saved by God. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Now, David is singing his song as it were. Now can you picture the life of David? Even when Saul was af- I mean attacking him and the way he behaved himself, his attitude, his song in the midst of those attacks. There was something that wasn't in the heart of David. God will see me through. Amen? Amen. So there is no issue before you today as you are sitting before me that qualifies for your fear. Not one. Hallelujah. So the power that can stop you from being afraid is what we are talking about, the helmet of what? Your salvation. Stop you from being afraid. Stop you from being intimidated. Stop you from being embarrassed. It keeps you on the track knowing that all things is well. It may look rough, it may look dangerous, but he has not forsaken you. He is your strength. Hallelujah. Turn to John chapter 1. and I like what is said here. The Lord is my light and my salvation. John 1 verse number 4. Amen. In him was life, which is Christ, and the life was what? The light of men. Verse 5 says, And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, watch. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So watch this. The light is what guarantees your salvation and that light is what lightens every man that's in this world. Hallelujah. In him was life and the life was what? The light of man. So life is light and light is life (laughs) and one good thing you need to understand about this is light means understanding white darkness means ignorance so the life of God is my understanding And the light, which becomes my understanding, guarantees my understanding fact that I am saved, and is also what my salvation. And he said, "The light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended you, know, you." know what he's talking about? You know what? Another one. In the midst of the troubles and the wall, the life that is in you can shine forth. That is to say. The things around the world cannot swallow up your salvation. It can swallow up the life that God has given unto you. The light is a life of men. And the darkness cannot comprehend it. The word comprehend means to understand, to overcome, to swallow, to obliterate, if you will. The light cannot be swallowed up. Neither can the light be overtaken by darkness. In other words, there is nothing in creation that can stop the life of Christ from flowing in your life if you have understanding. Glory to God. So, our helmet which has to do with our covering of salvation is the Lord himself. Amen. Is a light that lightens our darkened consciousness. And we should walk in the light thereof. By implication, we have to live our life walking in the understanding of the guarantee that God has given. That there is nothing in creation that can swallow us up. I've always made this statement, and it's true. Look at what Jesus said. He said, the life that God has given unto me no man can take my life from me except I lay it down. Did he say so? Praise God! And again he says, As "I shall live by the life that God has given unto me. Even so shall those who believe in me live also." Meaning, you only, with the true light of understanding, has the power to lay down your life. Nobody is qualified to take it from you. Did he get what I said there? So there is no power in any wish to kill you except you want to lay down your life. And the only way you lay down your life for a wish to kill is to submit to the power of the wish through your belief. Did you get that? (laughs) He said no darkness can comprehend it. I can only explain this to you from Adam. Adam carried the light. Adam willingly gave up the light for darkness to come in. Not because the darkness has power to overcome the light that was in under, But Adam gave it up willingly. Especially also for love's sake. <laughs> he loved the wife. Huh? He, he walked away with the wife. Two shall be the one we are told. Amen? <laughs> I mean he gave it up. The devil had no power one beat. That's why the Bible says it was the woman that was in the transgression, not the man. Adam was not deceived, meaning the light could not come, I mean, the darkness could not comprehend his life. But he walked along with the wife, for love's sake. Did you get that? Adam, they didn't sin. It was the woman that sinned. And I'm sure the light was in Adam, not the woman. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> Whichever way, they gave up the lights. Is that okay? It was not because the devil has enough power to swallow the light. Because the word says, Darkness could not comprehend. So, the only way darkness can overtake you is when you willingly give yourself over to darkness. Is that okay? I believe that no devil can possess a human being without the express permission of God and Himself. it will take the collaboration of yourself and God to allow a devil to possess you. (laughs) Anyway, that's my belief. (laughs) I'm not quoting any scripture. That's my belief. Is that okay? (laughs) You can only accept it before it works. Is that okay? Okay, maybe you don't see it this way. Look at what the Bible says. That shall not give the devil any foothold. Did he say so? Oh, so when you give, what are you talking about? You're submitting. It is your permission that enable anything to possess you. But the more you allow the Holy Spirit to possess you, the more room you don't have for the devil to possess you. Did you understand that? So if you are truly born again, no devil is permitted to stay in your life. Hallelujah. Okay. My last question for tonight. I'm asking and answering at the same time. Eh? Having received this light, what ought we to do with foolish thoughts or imagination directed against us by the enemy? If we have received this light, what ought we to do with foolish thoughts or imaginations directed against us by the enemy? Second Corinthians 2. Look at 3 to 5. But don't you forget what Jesus told Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. In other words, I must go to the cross. I must get the will of God done. I'm thinking the thoughts of God. In fact, the scripture says, before the foundation of the world, I'm already slain so that men can receive salvation. Is that okay? Okay, 2 Corinthians 10, are you there with me? Let's look at 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Hmm? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of all strongholds through God. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against what? The knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Can we get that from the message? If you can. Let's look at it the way you read from the message. Hallelujah. The world is unprincipled. In other words, there is no principle in the world. They live just the way. No law is binding them. Hmm? So we can say the world is full of iniquity. Meaning it's lawless. Because even the law they make, they don't bind some people. So the world is unprincipled. It's dog-eat-dog out there. In other words, it's always the realm of hustling. Praise the living God. <laughs> you see, it's like in the realm of the wall of the animal world, the stronger animal eats the weaker one. Yeah. Dog eat dog. That's why the world is unprincipled. Hallelujah. The world doesn't fight fair. And you know that. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have we and never will. What's the next step? The tools of our trade aren't for making or manipulating, but they are for demolishing the entire massively corrupt culture. And I like that. Hallelujah. We use our powerful God tools for smashing what philosophies, wrong thoughts, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse. Into the structure of life. shift by who? Can I hear an email to that? That's our weapons. So, you see, what are we talking about? Casting down imagination. That you think you're attacking one devil. No, 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 no. no. He's talking about your mind. Wrong thought, wrong culture, wrong philosophy, wrong ideologies. This is what permits the enemy to come into your life. Amen? So, when we're talking about fights... We are talking about how can we maintain the pure Christ consciousness and culture in his kingdom? That is the real war. Hmm? Can you can you see what I'm talking about here? We use our powerful God tools for smashing white philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by who Christ. That's the real warfare. How can you stand on this? That's the fight. You know what? We can't allow anything to push us to the left or to the right. We just need to be focused. How can we be focused? We need the mind of Christ to remain focused. So there are a lot of cultures in the world, mentalities, philosophy, traditional ideologies that are prevailing, Even in the church. Even in the church. Which really stands against what Christ has done. Most messages I listen to that I hear people preach, they are actually speaking against what Christ has done. They don't give people the opportunity to live out their life. They instead inject other thoughts into the life of the people that drags them away from what Christ has done. So we build another culture and seek only Christianity but not Christ-like. Hallelujah. Are you sitting with me? Thank you, Lord. But permit me to say this: How many of you understand that dominion is not necessarily about casting out devils? (laughs) Dominion is not necessarily casting out devils. Dominion is living out the life of God, possessing and ruling and reigning. That's what dominion means. And it's not just devil you rule over; you rule over territory, you rule over principalities in terms of cities, you rule over, I mean, you rule over trails, you rule over any of you understand what I'm talking about? Listen, remember when Cain, Adam and Eve gave birth, came and then following the set, the Bible told us that at a certain stage, man built a city and called the name of the city by the name of his son called Enoch. What does he mean, build a city? He was not in church when he built the city because dominion was still in his life. (laughs) Are you sitting there with me? He built the city because dominion was still in his life. He still understood what it means to expand territories. Praise the Lord. We talk on some of those things some other time so that you can understand what dominion means. That As a businessman, you are actually in the realm of dominion. And that means there's a need for expansion because you know these two sons stopped, without talking about building the city even Juba Kane came and then become a tent man that began to build tents. Musicians came out of the same people that you claim to have fallen. Creativity is what dominio is all about. Involving things that have not been there. Dominio is not chasing devils left and right all over the place. Like what he's talking about here. What philosophies? Traditions are culture tearing them down the barriers erected against the truth of God's word. Amen. Hallelujah. Summarily. Can we lose our helmet? Can we cast away our helmet? Hebrew 3 12. I mean 13. Hebrew 3.12, rather. 12. It's okay. Hebrew 3 12. Hallelujah. Hebrew 3.12 Take it, brethren. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of what? Unbelief. In doing what? Departing from the living God. Am I correct? Oh, this message. Right. Watch your step, friends. Make sure there is no evil unbelief lying around that will trip you up and throw you off course, diverting you from the living God. I like that. You see, this is where my trouble is with so many people. When you teach people with your messages that will not cause them to be structured and stable in Christ, you are also causing an evil out of what? Of unbelief you know why so many of them could not enter the promised land? Even after God had made a promise, I'm taking to the promised land. What made them not to enter was what? Unbelief. Who did they not believe? They didn't believe the living God. And some of you have the same spirit. You don't believe God can save you. You don't believe God has saved you. You don't believe God has delivered you. You have all mentalities running around your mind. Claiming and feeling there are some devils after you. That want to swallow you up. Evil heart of what? Of unbelief. Simply means where you don't stay on the promises of God, you're walking in the realm of what? Unbelief. And God calls unbelief what? Evil. Praise the living God. I just want to end up tonight here. If you look Proverbs 16, verse 3 say, "Come, in, thy walks unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be what? Established. Commit thy works unto the Lord. And thy thoughts shall be established. Commit thy works unto the Lord. And thy thoughts, your mind shall be what? Established. God bless you.